to the RMBC Life podcast from Share Cancer Support, dedicated to exploring life with metastatic breast cancer from the perspective of us, the people living with this disease, and the experts who partner with us to help make our lives better. I'm Lisa Laudico, and I'm really glad you're here, since no one should face NBC alone. can mean many things. Adventure, relaxation, exotic places and cultures and foods, and jaw-dropping natural vistas. It can stimulate or soothe us and transport us literally and figuratively to a different reality. It lifts us out of the daily challenges of our diagnosis. It's no wonder so many of us with MBC love to travel and to plan new trips. But traveling with MBC can present a unique set of challenges. I'm Nancy Roylance, and my co-producer on this episode is Dr. Ellen Landsberger. She's the perfect partner, a retired MD, and one of the most traveled people I know. So brew yourself a cup of tea, pull up a comfortable chair, and settle in. You'll hear from several members of the RMBC Life team, as well as other frequent flyers from the larger MBC community, as we reflect on where we've been, where we would like to go, and our advice for when a journey is really a journey. So, Ellen, how long have you been living with MBC? Let's see. I've known that I've had it for the last six years. My story started really in 1995. I had an early stage one lesion. I thought I was done, chemo, radiation, the works. I was fine for 22 years and then had metastatic disease to the spine. So I've done very well with my treatment. I've been very fortunate. I'm currently NED. I've been NED for most of the time after initial treatment with radiation, and I've been on medication ever since. That's terrific. So one of the reasons that I was really excited that we were going to be working together on this is that I know from the last year or so, when I've known you through our MBC Life's project team, you travel a lot. What impact would you say MBC has had on your travel? For me, it actually hasn't had any, at least now. I, maybe initially I was a little hesitant, but I have to say my oncologist is also a world traveler. And the first time I met her, one of the things she said to me was, I want you to keep traveling and doing all the things that you love to do. So with her blessing, it was only COVID that stopped me. And I made up for it last year. I managed to get to Europe for different on um, four different trips in less than 12 months. I felt like I was getting back to living the life that I led before COVID. That was more of an impact for me than the NBC. What would you say is your favorite trip? My favorite trip with NBC was to Churchill, Canada to see the Northern Lights. That was spectacular. That was high on my bucket list. And we really lucked out the week that we were there. Four nights out of four nights, we were able to see the lights, which was really tremendous. Churchill, it's an Arctic desert. So it's really cold, ice and snow on the ground. You could end up in a blizzard, but... Most of the time, it's just dry, freezing cold air, and it's beautiful for the lights. And it was just really very cool to watch the way they come out at night and the darkness, but you have to like cold weather. I had all my gear from a prior trip to Antarctica. Why do you think travel becomes so important to a lot of people with NBC? It's enlightening. It's liberating. There's a lot of freedom to it. It's learning new things, seeing new cultures, part of it. I just love to go to different places and experience different things. Within the United States, I find that I like to see more beautiful scenery than 
particular cities. Living in New York City, I am a little biased. I think it's the best city in the world. So as much as I love to see other cultures and go traveling in Europe and Asian cities, I'd like to be out in nature more. And the United States is so gorgeous. My first trip after COVID was to Bryce Canyon, Zion, and uh, the Grand Canyon, and a wonderful trip. So that was really fun. And being able to hike and be out in nature is very energizing. Do you think that someone who's a little more compromised in terms of their mobility could enjoy national parks too? Oh, sure. A lot of the national parks have places and walks for people who aren't as able-bodied. Many places have enabled the scenery and want to get people out in nature and have a path to go on, ramps for people in wheelchairs or people with walkers. I think you have to do a little bit of research to find it, but I encourage everybody to go out and just be in the woods and breathe in nature and listen to the birds. All that is very energizing. One of the things that I really like about travel as I deal with the challenges of living with this disease is that it gets you out of your head or you're in a different part of your head. It forces you to be in the present. If you're in a beautiful place, or if you're in a city you're not familiar with, then you're you're stimulated in a way that really has to engage you. Definitely. When I was on chemo, I would even just go to a hotel and spend a weekend just someplace different. And that would break the cycle of what I was doing and how I was living. And be able to look at different scenery and different smells, different restaurants, just having a break from your daily life. I think that's such an important point because it's great to take a trip to Antarctica or Churchill. But recently, my husband and I just went up to the Adirondacks for a couple of nights during the foliage. And it was such a wonderful experience getting me out of the the rut of dealing with the day-to-day of living with NBC. Exactly. One of the benefits of working with Ellen on this episode is that I knew that as a retired MD, she'd be an expert source of practical advice on how to be safe and healthy while on the road or in the skies with NBC. Here's Ellen's list of tips. The first thing I recommend to people is to check with their oncologist. There may be something specific about your case that the doctor would want to address. Usually a chemotherapy schedule can be tweaked a little. She might want you to travel at a time when your white blood cell count is on the higher side. You know, many of us experience neutropenia or low white blood cells during treatment. I think some doctors want us to travel with uh, antibiotics and other medications, but others want you to go to a local doctor if you feel sick, not to treat yourself. So those are the kinds of things I would, I, I recommend people check with their own specific doctor. And that gets to where you're planning to travel to. Early in the disease, or if you've recently changed therapy, I suggest sticking to a place that you're a little more familiar with. Nothing quite as exotic maybe as going off to Antarctica, where if you get sick or you don't feel well, it's a little harder to to get care. But sticking a little closer to home. One of the keys is to make sure that you have enough medication. I had always traveled with one extra day. Now I travel with several extra days because the airlines are really tight. And it can be hard to get home. It's too easy to run out, particularly for a long trip. A lot of the pharmacies and the insurance companies will give people extra medication when you say that you're going on a vacation. Then when you are traveling, carry a list of your drugs and the doses of what you're you're taking. Also, be sure to have the generic name. You know how every drug has both a trade name that is commonly referred to on all the commercials. And then there's a generic, usually harder to pronounce name. And it's the generic name that 
will be more easily recognized in a foreign country. I really encourage people to stick with wearing masks on planes and in crowded spaces. I personally have gotten COVID twice, both times with traveling. So I'm much more careful about continuing to wear masks in the airport and on the plane and in crowded spaces. When you're flying on the airplane, staying hydrated and moving. Those are the two things that I think are really important on an airplane. From my time as an obstetrician, I always encouraged my patients to bring a big liter bottle at least. And you can have a water bottle and fill it up after you've gone through security. Most airports now will have water fountains and places to refill the bottle. So you don't have to waste your money on a ridiculously expensive bottled water <laughs> at the airport. And then if you drink enough, that'll get you up out of your seat to go to the restroom and to, to walk around. Because the thing that you want to prevent is developing uh, blood clots in your legs, deep vein thrombosis. Cancer in and of itself puts us at a little higher risk for getting blood clots. And so making sure that you move, that you walk a little bit on the plane, or if you don't want to get out of the, the seat, you're sitting there pumping your legs, like moving your feet up and down so that you're stretching your calf muscles. The other thing to do is to consider wearing compression stockings. Many people find them more comfortable and that can help to prevent um, blood clots as well. If uh, you've had a full lymph node dissection, axillary lymph node dissection, you can stay at risk for developing lymphedema. And most people will encourage you to wear a compression sleeve for your arm. It's not necessary if you've just had sentinel nodes or just a, a surface dissection. But if you've had a full lymph node dissection, I, I think that wearing a compression sleeve may be comfortable for you. I have mild lymphedema. I've had it since a year after my surgery. And I find wearing the sleeve more comfortable, actually, when I'm in the air. I think it really helps. Honoring that the body needs to rest is important. When I'm traveling, I want to see more and always want to go to another museum or see another painting or go to another restaurant or try another snack. And Flying really takes a lot out of all of us. So resting is really important. Trip insurance, an issue that we need to think about. One is for the health insurance part. Make sure that your health insurance will cover you outside of the country. Medicare does not. Medicare will cover you in any part of the United States, but outside of the country, it doesn't. My supplemental won't cover me. Medicare doesn't. Some people have a secondary insurance that will cover them, but I have to take out travel insurance. And then also when I'm planning things far in advance, our lives are a little bit whimsical here and we don't know what's going to come down next. I want to be prepared for the bad news part. So I do get trip cancellation insurance now where I didn't do it as readily before. If you want to look for insurance, there's a website called insuremytrip.com that will give you a listing of different kinds of insurance and prices, and you can at least get you started in investigating. You can find links to resources mentioned in this podcast in our episode notes. One thing I learned about travel insurance is that you want to make sure you choose a policy that covers pre-existing conditions. Typically, you need to purchase these policies within 14 days of your initial booking for the trip. Now for the fun part. Where in the world is Ellen traveling in 2024? Before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you what's next on your travel docket. I have a nice trip planned for the summer to Iceland. I'm excited about that. And in the month of January, I'm going to Costa Rica for four weeks. And we got scheduled into a Spanish immersion program. I've studied Spanish since I was in fourth grade and really can't speak it. So I'm going to do it finally and hope that I learn to speak Spanish and to understand what people are saying. Next on my list will be to go to Tanzania and probably Kenya and try to time it for the migration. With climate change, 
it's hard to hard to schedule. The animals migrate when they want to migrate, not when the book says this is the correct month. I've been on safari twice and it's just magical. I'm going to aim for that probably next year. That sounds great. I may follow up with you on your safari trips because that's something I'm definitely interested in doing. Our listeners will be hearing more from Ellen as she interviews our guests throughout this episode. So you can look forward to that. Next up, you'll hear from Ashley Fernandez. If you're a follower of the pod, you may recognize her from last season. Ashley's husband of 13 years is active duty in the Air Force. The adventurous pair, currently living in North Carolina, have one daughter who is nine. Hi, my name is Ashley Fernandez. I'm 36 years old, and I was diagnosed in April of 2018 with metastatic breast cancer with severe bone mets and triple positive. I love traveling and experiencing new things. That was part of the appeal of marrying my husband, honestly. I actually moved to Japan to be with him. I really loved Japan. We were in a little island called Okinawa. We were right there on the ocean. And you were only an airplane ride away from anything else you wanted to see in that country. So you took an airplane to Tokyo, you were in the city. If you took an airplane to like the Yakota, you were in the mountains and snow. And you took another airplane and you were in Taiwan and everything. And the traveling was so cheap. It was incredible. Travel was a big part of your life in the early days of your diagnosis. Yeah. So we lived in Alaska for about four years. We loved living there. The nature, the experiences, everything has been amazing. We were located in interior Alaska. So right outside Fairbanks in a little town called North Pole, Alaska. It was really hard to get my care regularly, like every three weeks in the beginning I went between Alaska and Chicago just to get treatment and then would travel to a base close to Ohio because it was military care and that's what they would cover. I lived with my mom in Chicago until my husband figured out where we were going. So I ended up having to move to Ohio. Are you doing much traveling these days? I travel all the time. Our family likes to focus on experiences instead of gifts. We still gift our daughter like toys and stuff. She just turned nine. But most importantly, we usually try to do an experience. So we travel quite a bit. We actually just got back last night from Chicago to see family and celebrate my daughter's birthday. So we came back for one day for testing at school. She has important testing for third grade. And we leave again tomorrow to Orlando. We'll be doing the Disney theme parks. They have these disability programs. If you have problem with the heat, if you have problems standing for a long time, if you go on their website, you can just log in. It's called the DOS Pass. Someone will interview you like this on a Zoom, and then they'll ask you a few questions, and then they add it to your little Disney app, and then you're good to go. So when you're at the park, you're still waiting. You're just not waiting in the lines. Like, you can apply to go on the ride. Let me think of a ride. Okay, we're going to Hollywood Studios. So I can say, hey, I want to go on the Tower of Terror. So on my app, I will click Tower of Terror, put myself on a queue, and if everybody's waiting 60 minutes in the line, you're going to wait 60 minutes, but you won't be in that line. You can be in air condition. You can be taken in a show. You could do something else. It really makes a world of a difference when you don't feel well and you want to make memories with your family. What motivates me to get up and go is I'm curious. I love adventure, and I don't want to just sit in one spot. I want to live while I'm here. I like to plan in between my scans. I'm not sure if anybody else does that, but it's important to have something to look forward to and to keep mm -hmm. me going. So planning between scans is one way to give yourself something that's fun instead of trying to figure out what your scan is going to say. Yeah. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a trip. It can be anything. Like it can be a trip to the nearest city or like a drive, like something that you're looking forward to. And no matter what's going to happen, good or bad, whatever these scans show, I am doing this next part. When Ashley and I were working together last year on our episode for newly diagnosed patients, she told me about Little Pink Houses of Hope. Little Pink Houses of Hope is a North Carolina-based nonprofit that provides free week-long vacation retreats for breast cancer patients and their families. In 2021, Ashley and her family took part in a Myrtle Beach retreat. Here's how she describes that experience. 
it was right after COVID. I got selected and I was so excited, but then I got really sick. I had just got out of a sepsis situation in the hospital for 28 days and it was overwhelmingly depressing and I didn't want to go anymore. But I called the organization and just explained what was going on and they accommodated every single need. I was so weak that they had a wheelchair to go on the beach. So I still got to go in the water, even though I physically couldn't walk into the water. My husband was able to push me into the water. And I will never forget how that circle of volunteers that's what they're called. They're not volunteers, they're volunteers just came around and it was overwhelming abundance of love and acceptance and just, you belong here. Man, just thinking about that memory is really heartwarming. One of my favorite parts was there's a survivorship breakfast or lunch, or I guess it's different for every retreat, but it's where we got to sit down and really share our stories. And it was incredible. The organization as a whole is absolutely incredible. Was it beneficial for your husband as well as a caregiver? What was really cool about that experience was to see my husband playing in the water like a little kid. And he had a week away where he didn't have to worry about me. He didn't have to worry about our daughter. There were multiple hands on deck to make sure that load was good. I'll never forget him just running into the water and diving in and then running with the biggest smile. He was carefree. And it was a while since I saw that on him. It really took a toll on him. My three years with NBC. So it was a lot. That's what makes Little Pink Houses of Hope different. Because it wasn't just for the survivors or the thrivers. It was for the family as a whole to, hey, let's get out here and let's connect. I really encourage all of you guys to apply. And if you don't have children, that's okay. A lot of people think that because you don't have kids, you can't apply. That's not true. You still qualify and you still matter. So please try. I've done a few fundraisers for Little Pink Houses of Hope. And now that my daughter's a little bit older, I'm hoping to be able to be a volunteer. I cannot wait to just give back. I asked Ashley about other challenges or bumps in the travel road she'd experienced since her MBC diagnosis and what she'd learned from them. Something is hard on every single trip I take. I either don't have enough energy, I don't have enough mobility, I run out of my tank, my gas, my fuel, but also sometimes I just can't walk anymore. And that is probably the most gut-wrenching one out of all of them. I went to Asheville not too long ago and I hiked up a mountain. And I made it all the way to the top and I made it all the way up the stairs to go on the outlook. And when I got up there, it was locked. Oh no. I know. So part of me just wanted to cry because, you know, when you finally get up all of this and you're like, oh, I can't believe I did this. Like, I'm so proud of myself. And then I get up there and I'm like, I can't even look. But then I just looked over the overhang and I saw all the beautiful foliage of the fall and everything else. And I get this overwhelming sense of, just pride that through it all and through all those aches and pains, I was able to do it. I hiked California recently. My bone went sagged up and I ended up in the hospital with horrible pain management. A lot of the times I'm feeling pain and I just don't want to admit it. So I've been working on just listening to myself and allowing myself that grace to just rest in between, even with traveling. Like we're going to do a lot, like we've done a lot this week already. We go on the plane tomorrow morning, we'll land, we'll hit Disney. And then on Thursday, it's going to be a rest day. Like, we're just going to relax, maybe sit by the pool. We're not going to be in those parks. We're going to be chilling and just relaxing because I know that I'm not going to be able to go back to back every single day, but we'll still have fun and we'll be together, which is most important. Great advice. If you could go anywhere tomorrow, where would you go? The only place that's left on my bucket list is Greece. I've been very fortunate and I've been to a lot of places traveling and it's one of my favorite things to do, as I told you, but yeah, Greece. And the only reason I haven't went yet is because there's not a lot of wheelchair accommodations. My right foot goes numb and just gives out. So at times I have to use a walker or even a wheelchair, depending on how bad it is. I'll get there. I just have to build up that confidence a little bit more. I've climbed the Great Wall of China. I've climbed mountains. I've done some incredible things. And I want to climb the stuff at Greece. That's my one bucket list item. I think that's a great place to end. And I know that you have to pick up your daughter, right? Yeah. It happens at 2.40. This is great. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for having me, Nancy. 
Next, we're going to hear from three women who have redefined the phrase frequent flyer. They are adventuresome, fearless, and knowledgeable about traveling as a person living with MBC. First, we're going to hear from Dr. Kelly Shanahan. Kelly Shanahan, it's great to talk to you and see you. Tell us a little about yourself. So I have been not dead yet with metastatic breast cancer for almost 10 years. Next week is my birthday and my 10th metaversary. Before that, I was diagnosed with early stage breast cancer in 2008. I considered it a bump in the road. I had a bilateral mastectomy because where I live, there's no oncology services and I didn't have time. I was a solo practice OBGYN. I went on an aromatase inhibitor briefly. I did not take it for the full five years because it was interfering with my ability to do surgery due to the arthritis symptoms in my hands. I worked all through that. And then five years later, I was diagnosed with extensive bony metastases in virtually every bone in my body. I had broken a vertebrae. I had an about-to-break leg. And I had zero symptoms until I broke my vertebrae. So that whole let us know if anything's different doesn't always work. But I've been super lucky. I achieved NEAD within four months of starting some very unconventional IV chemo. Then I was NEAD on just an aromatase inhibitor for six years. So I had a total of seven years of NEAD until I started experiencing progression, again, just to more bones in 2021. And I got a little over two years out of palbociclib and fulvestrant. I had one spot that lit up in my sternum in February. I had that zapped with SBRT radiation. And then I had a couple of new spots show up in August, September, uh, which is when I decided to go on this clinical trial, which I'm tolerating super well. We'll see in a couple months whether it's working or not. I'm looking forward to hearing some good news about that. Yeah, me too. So you're a great traveler. This being our travel episode, tell us the best place and most exotic place that you have been to since you've had NBC. So the, the best place I've been to since my NBC diagnosis was just this past June when I took my daughter on an Arctic expedition cruise, starting in Norway and then going to the far, far, far north reaches of the Svalbard archipelago of Norway. You know, the North Pole is 90 degrees north. We got to a little bit over 81 degrees north. I did sea kayaking in the freezing cold water, saw polar bears, and had this amazing experience with my daughter. And I've been to lots of places. I've been to India since my MBC diagnosis. I've really literally been all over the world. I haven't let MBC stop my traveling. Obviously, you hit the road, you hit the planes, you, you picked up after the pandemic, which is terrific. Have there been any experiences where MBC has affected your travel? Certainly when I was first diagnosed and I was on IV chemo, it affected my ability to travel. My daughter was in high school then. We were starting to look at colleges. And I remember I had to delay a treatment cycle because I'm like, I am not going to not take her to look at colleges. You know, a couple of times I would delay my next cycle so I could travel. Having been on oral medications for six years and then the Palbo plus Fulvestrant for the past two and a half hasn't been that bad. Fortunately, most of my travels, whether it's to conferences here in the U.S. or internationally or just trips for fun, have fit when I needed to get those fulvestrant shots once a month. A couple times I was like, I need to come in a couple days early or I'm going to be in a week late. Now, this clinical trial has been a little bit of a different story because I'm in the first cycle. And for the first two cycles, there are basically weekly visits. I'm going to this conference in Lisbon. I'm leaving imminently. And my husband's coming and we were going to turn it into a vacation and go to southern Spain and Morocco and probably spend three weeks. And I I can't do that now. So I'm going to the conference and then we're going to Seville for a couple days and then flying home so I can fit it in between the visits. Once I get through these first two months, I'm really only seen once a month and I've already got some travel plans uh, for next year. I'm speaking at a conference in Berlin and uh, turning that into a little bit of a vacation as well. Kelly, we heard that you have used NBC to your advantage in travel. And so you're laughing. I want the audience to know that you're laughing as we're, as I say that. Can you share that episode with us? A year and a half ago, I was doing a 
European river cruise with a friend who also has MVC. And the river cruise included free economy airfare. And we're like, we can do economy. But it was like a super long 10 plus hour flight. And we get to the airport and we're checking in, checking our bags. And I asked the agent there, hey, we both have stage four metastatic breast cancer. I just looked on the app and there's six seats left in business class. And she's like, oh, we can't do anything. So I go up to the gate, the gate agent, same thing, up, can't do anything. So we both did pre-boarding. My friend has brain mets and did need a little extra time getting down the aisle. And we get to our assigned seats in economy. And I walk up to the flight attendant. And I said, hey, my friend and I both have stage four metastatic breast cancer. And I figured nothing ventured, nothing gained. But it'd be really nice if we could go up to business class because it's a long flight. And we won't even eat or drink. We just want to sleep in those flat beds. And the woman looks at us and she goes, my mother had stage four breast cancer. And she went and talked to the purser. And the next thing I know, we're being escorted up into the business class seats. The purser comes by with two glasses of champagne and playing the NBC card definitely worked that time. I've tried it other times where it hasn't worked and I've been in the back of the plane. But, you know, again, nothing ventured, nothing gained. I'm glad you got that glass of champagne. Excellent. Yeah. And we ate the good meals and slept and watched the movies. And it is definitely a much nicer experience when there's a little bit more room and you can put your seat down and go to sleep when you're doing a 10 plus hour flight. Sounds great. Any other experiences come to mind for you? I was doing some flying in October and I'm seeing people with their pink ribbons. I try to educate people wherever I go about metastatic breast cancer. So all those uh, flight attendants who were wearing the pink ribbons, they learned about the breast cancer that actually kills people, metastatic breast cancer. Good point. Put an exclamation point on that. Thanks for sharing that. Okay. You have a ton to do. I hope you have a great trip to Portugal. Thanks. Good to talk to you, Ellen. Leslie Kalani Glenn lives on the West Coast and is the creator of Project Life, an online wellness project for people living with MBC. So Leslie, thank you so much for joining us today. When we planned this episode, you and a few other people just popped out. You travel, you're on the road, you live life to the fullest. Tell us, how has having NBC affected your ability to travel? When I was first diagnosed with NBC, I realized that I wasn't going to wait anymore to do anything. It's now or it's never, because I could always make excuses for why I couldn't travel or why I couldn't do something that I'd always wanted to do, whether it was time constraints or money in the bank or treatment or whatever. As much as I possibly can, I'm going to take advantage of every opportunity to say yes instead of saying no or not yet. Is there any place or anything that you avoid when you're traveling? Oh, that's a really good question. You know, I can't say that there is anything that I really avoid. I go to the big conferences with tens of thousands of people and try to stay, especially now after the pandemic, as safe as possible. When I've traveled overseas, I'm the girl that just wants to dive into the culture wherever I go and experience it. And so there's really nothing that's off the table for me that I can think of right now. I would probably try and go anywhere that I could as long as it didn't have a lot of bugs. <laughs> I'll tell you, there's ways to deal with bugs too. I went to the Amazon and we got these nets that fit over your head. And it was very funny because we were going on a night safari hike and we all put our nets on and the guide said, what are you doing with that? You don't need this. We said, we bought them. We have to wear them at least once. <laughs> there's a mosquito here or there, but... We, we had our faces covered. So there's ways to deal with bugs. What would you say is the most adventuresome place that you've traveled to? Is there anything that really stretched your experience? I have done a lot of backpacking and hiking and been to some very beautiful places in Iceland, 
as well as just here in the United States. I've hiked to the reservation of Havasupai in Arizona. Once you get down into that valley and you see that water, it literally takes your breath away. It was a pretty strenuous hike. I've hiked Catalina Island from one side to the other. That is one backpacking trip that I will never, ever do again. I did Cinque Terre in Italy one year, and then Iceland. And there's so many other trails out there that I would love to be able to get on in different parts of the world. Sounds beautiful. Are there any tips that you would want to share with the other um, the guests who are listening to this? I've really learned how to travel in a way that makes sense for me. I think everyone finds their own way to travel. I have a specific bag that I take for specific trips. And because I have backpacked, I know how to make things work in a smaller space. I was always trying to make sure that I worked around having to go into the clinic for treatment. But if there ever came a time where I was on a trip and I knew I had to have treatment. I was able to work with my cancer center, get the treatment wherever I was. And the cancer center was really very helpful in making sure that worked. Just to clarify, do you mean that you would get the treatment in the country that you were at that the, while you were traveling or that you delayed or adjusted your treatment schedule? If I was overseas, we would delay I was just traveling here in the United States and I knew that I was going to be, for example, at home in Hawaii, there was a cancer center that I had already connected with and all they needed was the orders from my doctor so that I was able to get treatment there. I too have had a good experience with other doctors, other institutions helping out when I was traveling, particularly during COVID. I escaped New York and got some treatment up at Dana-Farber instead of MSK. And I found that people are as accommodating as they can be, but you have to ask. If you don't ask, it's not going to happen. And that's something that you've been really good about doing. You go, you ask, you stretch the limits, and we just have a lot of admiration for what you've accomplished. Thank you. Next up is the incomparable Sheila Johnson. Sheila, thank you so much for joining us. I think of all the NBC advocates I know, you have accumulated the most frequent flyer points. So when we were planning this episode, it's like, we've got to talk to Sheila Johnson and find out what advice she has for us. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me today. I'm wondering if you could share a bit about your cancer journey. So my cancer journey started December 2nd of 2009. I've been living with metastatic breast cancer like 14 years. My mom died of metastatic breast cancer in 2004. And I always say a sneeze saved my life five years later because I sneezed and it burned underneath my chest wall. And I went to my military doctor because I was a 25-year Air Force veteran. I said, something just doesn't feel right. And they did a mammogram. And the same day, the radiologist pulled me in the office and he said, you see this white stuff? He said, that's breast cancer. And that's when I found out it spread to my liver and ribs. And I just did a week of radiation last week because it fractured my shoulder and my neck. And the crazy part is I heard my shoulder pop. I was on an airplane and I went to reach up and I heard it pop. And I'm like, dang, that hurt. So I called my doctor. I was like, we might need to do an MRI. And sure enough, she did the MRI. And that's when I found out I had fractured my shoulder and my neck. It's feeling better, so I think it's working. Just want to highlight that you, like many of us with NBC, you're very aware of your body. And when something was different, you checked it out. And I think yeah. that's really key on getting treatment as soon as feasibly possible and getting started on that really can go a long way. So we yeah. really appreciate you sharing that. Sheila, tell us, how has NBC affected your ability to travel? I love to travel. I don't know whether it's the military in me or my parents. My parents love to travel as well. But NBC does limit it sometimes. Like these past couple of weeks, because I've had to have radiation, I just couldn't do anything. I was sick to my stomach. 
And that's when I know, okay, Sheila, you need to rest. And that's when I rest. And I've learned to limit myself and making myself intentional, especially when it comes to patient advocacy. Thank you for taking good care of yourself and reminding us to take care of ourselves as well. What would you say is the most adventurous place that you've traveled to since getting this diagnosis? I've been so many places. I went to London. I went to Berlin, um, Germany. I've been to Belize. I would have to say Cuba was the most exciting place within the past couple of years. In April, I'm going to Singapore and Bali. And in March, I'm going to Thailand with an organization called Simeon Vacation. It's a cancer organization. I've been on many cruises. I really love cruising because you could just get up and you got to cook, <laughs> you know. And I've been to some very interesting places. I think the cruising, what's so cool about that is you pack and unpack once and then you get to go to all these interesting places. You know, to, Can you tell us a little bit about this Semi-On Vacation, if anybody wants to join? Yeah, it's called Semi-On Vacation. You go, go on their website and it's different locations. I filled out an application and they had my doctor fill out an affidavit saying I could travel. You have to pay for your travel, but they pay for like the hotel and different things like that. And then are you joined with other people or have the disease? Other people that have cancer. I was on a waiting list. (laughs) The young lady that, I think her name is Kathy, that does the selections, got me on the trip. That sounds fantastic. We'll put the contact information in our episode so people will know how to get that. Any advice or tips that you would uh, share with people who want to travel? I I would say just do it. You know, make sure that your doctor signs off. Like I did go to Africa, but I had to get different shots for that. So make sure that you talk with your doctor first and make sure that you have the ability to travel. If you're going overseas or internationally, make sure you get that insurance just in case you get sick. But just have fun with it. I'm on a group on Facebook. It's called Women Who Travel. And I follow them and they tell you all different kind of ideas. So join travel groups. You know, you can go outside of cancer to learn about travel. You don't have to just stay in its box. Full disclosure, we're Facebook friends and I get to travel vicariously through all of your journeys. And it's really so joyous to watch how you do enjoy your travels and have a fabulous time and great photos in front of iconic buildings and then sharing it with so many friends. I, I feel like I've gotten to know you more through your travels than for when I've seen you face to face. And I do that too because I want women, not only with cancer, but with metastatic breast cancer to see that you don't have to stop living because you have metastatic breast cancer. You know what your body can handle when you need to rest. You can rest on the trip and show people that you can still live, you can still have fun, you can still smile, and you can still find joy in life. Trips and travel may not be officially on the agenda when the our NBC Life team meets each week, but these topics often find their way into the conversation anyway. So we're capping off this episode with some reflections and recommendations from the team. Paula, you want to start us? Sure, I'm glad to start. I uh, just did this epic road trip out to the Southwest with one of my amazing nieces and it was incredible, but it did take some work to prepare. And so I'll cheat and give two small pieces of advice. One is so basic that I almost hesitate to mention it, but it took me six years to figure out. So I took all my meds and I put them into plastic bags and I wrote on a piece of paper, the name of the med and the expiration date. And I took all those plastic bags and put it in a canvas pencil tote bag. And so when I was exhausted at the end of the evening and it was time to go into the hotel, or if I was traveling in the Southwest and it was boiling hot and didn't want to leave the meds, I just grabbed that tote and walked into the hotel room and it made it really easy. The other thing I did was I made a bed in the back of the car. So if as I was driving, I was too tired to make it to my next destination, I could pull over and very easily just take a nap. And so it made it possible to do a lot of car travel, even while being exhausted. Kate, how about you? Let's see. The last big trip I took was to Utah 
in Arizona with my son and my husband. And I think the biggest thing for me was planning ahead and making sure I was going at a time in my treatment cycle that I'd have a little more energy. So if at all possible, that's important to consider. And the other thing was when I was planning, I made sure that I would be able to rest if I was fatigued, but not interfere with my son's fun. So he was able to do everything he wanted to do, but I felt comfortable sitting and just watching or letting them go off. And I was okay with that. Victoria, how about you? What's your latest trip or the trip you really want to take? I was so hoping that I would go last. (laughs) (laughs) The last trip we took after actually a pretty substantial break from traveling, we went to New Mexico and Colorado. And it was a wonderful trip, but there were a couple of things that I learned from that trip that I would like to share. So number one, it was a very long car trip. So there were days when we would get to the hotel late and we wouldn't want to take our suitcases, just leave them in the car. And similar to Paula's idea, just take that little pouch with me for just the next morning and the meds that I need. And that worked out really well. And another thing I learned, and especially for those who had been active, very active before they got diagnosed, there are some expectations that you have from yourself that you kind of remember. You have this memory of how you were able to do hiking and all sorts of physical activity things and get disappointed when it doesn't happen. So my husband and I went on a really pretty straightforward, simple hike, but it was a huge challenge for me. And I felt so disappointed in myself for not being able to do even a simple hike. But we got to realize that even though we feel like we're the same people, but we're not, our capacity is much more limited than it used to be. So don't be disappointed in, in what you can't accomplish and you think you should. I think I would love to go on a cruise. There is a cruise that leaves from Miami to uh, Rome in the beginning of April. And I would so love to go on that cruise, but I don't think we will. My husband doesn't particularly care for it. Anyway, so that's me. I think you'll just have to talk your husband into that because that sounds like such a wonderful experience. (laughs) I could add one thing to Victoria's not being able to hike anymore. I've had problems with fatigue my whole life. So even before cancer, I was being evaluated for idiopathic fatigue. And I really savor scenic drives. So it's me and 75 and 80-year-olds on these scenic drives at national parks. But if your body no longer will move you to where you want to move, a car can be your best friend. And being able to drive and just soak in all of that beauty. My eyes still work. My brain still works. My capacity for joy still works, even if my muscles won't take me where I want to go. And so just being able to soak it in from those scenic drives and all those very carefully planned rest stops along the way. (laughs) National Park Service is, is very kind on those scenic drives. They set you up for just enjoying the beauty. So Linda, how about you? Oh, gosh. I think sometimes it's hard to separate what is NBC-related slowing down when it comes to travel versus just age. (laughs) But I will say I have noticed that flying really seems to just take it out of me. It doesn't matter. Maybe not a short trip, but my family's across the country. And those trips, I am so tired after flights. And I've learned I really just need to build a day in and just say to everybody, hey, first date, I'm not doing very much. And that will apply to any trip, especially where I'm changing time zones. I just don't hit the ground running. My husband does, but I've said to him, I just need a little bit of time here to shake off the flight and adjust to the time zone. So that will be important. We actually have a trip to Germany in December. I'm really excited about that. I've never been there before. And I am definitely building in extra time to just catch up a little bit, take it a little slower than I used to. And I guess the last thing I'd say is everybody's talking about their meds and really important, I think, just to keep all of your NBC-related support items in your carry-on and never put them in your checked baggage. 
Here's what I think is the most important takeaway from our interviews. When it comes to travel, it's important to respect the needs and limitations imposed by our disease and its treatments. But that doesn't need to ground us. Travel, whether it's an exotic adventure on the other side of the world, or a few nights or even an afternoon away in a special place closer to home, travel can lift our spirits and bring joy and wonder to our lives. This was a theme we heard from each of our guests on this episode. We want to thank Ashley Fernandez, Kelly Shanahan, Leslie Glenn, Sheila Johnson, Paula Jane, Kate Fitzer, Victoria Goldberg, and Linda Weatherby. We hope their tales and their tips inspire and inform your own travels. This episode of Our MBC Life was produced by me, Nancy Roylance, and Ellen Landsberger. Associate producer Connor Kinsley, Miranda Gonzalez, and Kate Fitzer always keep us on track. Our executive producer is Christine Benjamin. You can find more episodes of Our MBC Life wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to our newsletter and check out our blog and episode notes at ourmbclife.org and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and X. And on behalf of everyone on the Our NBC Life team, here's wishing you a wonderful holiday season and much joy and adventure in 2024.